Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And it is not Arena this week. We are going to the wonderful land of Magic the Gathering online to check in on Modern. We have a nice little deck dump. I say little. It's it's not little, Brian. It's actually quite massive. A lot of decks here. You're, you're testing my stamina as I recover from an absolutely devastating injury acquired taking out the trash at my house. This is what it's like when you get this old. <laughs> I mean, you li- I, I was bedridden for two days, I, and now I can like start to get out of bed uh, from this trash-based injury. So it, dude, it was I, a tough one. I laugh because I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, aging is tough. Stay young, friends. Stay young. And of course, obviously... Magic the Gathering Online has become the home of the Zoomers lately as they all accumulate there. So I'm sure we'll be looking at plenty of nice decks from the young guns of Magic today. I'm excited to check back in with the modern format. It's been a minute. There's obviously been bands. There's been new cards. And uh, format looks good right now, I think. We'll see. I'll be the judge of that. Okay, fair enough. Deck number one, WV Castro 42, 28 lands, Gruel. Valakut, Scapeshift, Primeval Titan thing. This is this is a deck from two years ago, man. This is the deck that we ran around looking for a Dwarven Mine for me for. It is, and there's not even a Dwarven Mine in this one. I don't really have anything good or bad to say about this deck. Like I, I think it's probably still metagame dependent, still fine. Uh, but also, there's a ton of decks here, and if we talk about every boring deck, we will be here literally to the end of time. So I'm good to just move on from this one. You've seen it before. It's Valakut. Cradley. Orzov, sort of Eldrazi, seven total Eldrazi, Stoneforge Mystic, Tide Hollow Sculler, uh, some removal, some discard, some Lilianas, whatever. Nothing new here. This is classic. Uh, I like these cards in modern. I'm going to play them together and I'll win a little bit and probably be like a 45% deck. Plato win. Ooh, ooh. Do you yeah, want to? This, wanna this just, one's good. You want to just talk about this one? I'll yeah, just sit I like, back. I like, I like this one. Well, okay, so here's the problem, is that if you put Toski Barrier of Secrets in your deck, I like it. And if you have been checking out my Twitter account lately and seeing all the decks I share, uh, mostly standard at this point, uh, they're all Toski decks. And I don't think they're like the best decks in the format or anything, but man, do I love playing that card. And I get it. You like you hear me say that, and you're like, oh, a squirrel. Yeah, Brian's obviously going to be into the squirrel. And sure, that's that's part of the equation. But also, it's just a sweet card to play with. The play patterns are so fun. Uh, it snowballs out of control so quickly. And it, it feels so different from something like Biden of Thassa, which felt like it was just achieving the same thing over and over. There's so many neat ways to get paid on Toski. Like, I know you've been working with Monument. You've been working with all kinds of green-white nonsense to get really wide. I've been doing a lot of Alrin's Epiphany stuff, and there's a Seekus Chariot and so many cool interactions that you can leverage with Toski. And here, we're in the modern format, and we're looking at just like this old-school-ish Bant value deck. It's doing the Noble Hierarch into three-drop thing with Spell Queller, uh, Brazen Borrowers up there, but also the value from Icefang Quaddle, uh, Stoneforge Mystic grabbing your equipment. But topping off the curve along with Jace and Teferi, I guess. Teferi costs three, though. We all know that. Oh, this is Time Raveler. Never mind. So you're, you're actually costing three. Uh, topping off the curve, three copies of Toski. And I really like that setup. Like, Ice Fang Quaddle is such a good tool for being able to play long games and generate resources 
anyway, in combination with Toski, it's a really nice setup. The evasiveness of Spell Queller is good. Your Noble Hierarch attacks. like That's why we keep getting Jespera Sentinel in all of our standard decks, because you want a one-drop that can just get paid when you go into Toski. And this one does it even better, obviously, than something like Jespera Sentinel. So I like a lot of the things going on here. It still feels like you're dealing with a lot of the problems that this style of deck has always had. I don't know that Toski invalidates them. It just, you could trick me into playing this style of deck now that we have access to that game plan. Three Toski, one Jace the Mind Sculptor. Perfect. That's the perfect ratio. Uh, Toski, Ice Fan Quaddle is awesome. Toski, Force of Negation, also awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deck has a bunch of like small, kind of crappy creatures that. Previously, you would use Stoneforge Mystic to make them good. And now you have Toski as an additional payoff. So I like this a lot. This makes way more sense to me than when these Stoneforge decks were playing Uro. Like that Mm -hmm. was just like, I get it, Uro's busted, but it really doesn't fit the plan of this deck. Toski does 100% and it looks really good. Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget that Toski is just like, an awesome place in a lot of matchups to put any of these equipments. Like certainly that's a late game thing, but it's doing almost some of the true name nemesis type setups where you're like, I'm just going to have this forever and you need to figure out how you're dealing with it. Otherwise this will eventually kill you. So I like that it gets access to that as well. Now, certainly it's not as stable as it is in the standard format. There's path to exile. There's on thin ice like this deck is playing. So plenty of options to answer this card effectively, Uh, but some decks are going to run up against it. And I think you're going to be, pleasantly surprised by this card in the modern format yeah i mean there's stuff like jund where yes they have liliana but you have a bunch of sacrifice fodder anyway. oh yeah yep uh actually i'm surprised this deck doesn't have a dried arbor that's a nice one yeah glacial floodplain oh they have the snow duel to fetch you i hate it i was like looking for dried arbor and saw that and didn't recognize the name but like toski helps against really grindy matchups like Jund because it gives your crappy thing something to do. And then they're going to be able to probably kill most of your stuff, but not Toski, at which point equipment plus Toski does become real. And I, I think that that's going to happen in a lot of grindy matchups. So yeah, it makes sense uh, to me. specifically Jund, like you see there's Oriok champions in the sideboard of this deck too. So I, I'm sure that's the plan for grindy matchup. You just make a bunch of things that are almost impossible for those decks to answer and uh, eventually overwhelm them with Toski. I think dried Arbor is good. I think even if you're adding it in, instead of a, a land or instead of a spell, like cut the remand or something or the Jace for a dried arbor, I think that's probably good. What do you make of the choice to play on thin ice here as opposed to something like path? I'm fine with it. Uh, there's no astrolabe, so it can be tough to turn on Quaddle, and this is another snow permanent. Okay. Okay. I, I had no strong opinion when I first saw it. It's it's interesting. Maybe that is enough where you really do want to get the payoff on those quaddles and you get you gotta make some sacrifices, not just free anymore. So Yep. Baggio underscore five oh with some bogles, one green white pathway. Cool. Not enough to get me to talk about it. Sorry. Tumor BR almost mono white martyr with Kaya's Guile or Zov Charm. Skyclave Apparition, Speaker of the Heavens, Stoneforge Mystic, but like mostly going up to Amiria. So I like these decks. I think it's cool that they exist. And whenever I tried them, they always just disappointed me. But there's always like someone who 5-0s with them. Yeah, I, I think they're very matchup dependent. And this deck has picked up some new tricks. And that's cool to see. 
like you said, I've always appreciated the archetype. Uh, it's rare that I've played it, although I have. There's been moments where I just thought it was the right call. It's not something I play in the dark, though. I, I really have to be sure before I decide to pick up something like Martyr. And even with the new tricks here, I think that remains the same. Yep. Dido Guadati or something. Yorian, Niv-Mizzet Reborn. Uh, four Omnaths. Four Ren and Six, four Teferi, two Nahiri, four Bring Delight, one Valky. I don't know. This is like a little bit different, but still mostly the same stuff that we've been seeing from like Nimbizit in Modern. Yeah, this deck continues to do well, though. I mean, I, I see it uh, do quite well in the challenges often. So it, there's something to it right now. I think the pickups are small, but adding Valky is a very real plan. Like, obviously, yeah. any small changes to this deck can fundamentally change how it alters. How it, how it operates. So the addition of Valky is big beyond that. I mean, I guess we're still like getting used to Omnath in this archetype. It's only been there for a little while now. And obviously that was a huge power level upgrade. So there's some tricks here. And I, I think this is unquestionably a modern power level deck. Yes, definitely. Uh, I was also looking at Bring to Light into Valky in, in like Pioneer, just like mm-hmm. every format that you could still possibly abuse that in. And there's some cool stuff going on there too. If people want to check that out. Yeah. I, I think that this is just like a weird corner case rules thing. And this is the type of thing that should crack these eternal formats a little bit, like these weird interactions where you're able to cheat to Tybalt are going to be a part of the format for a while. I'm glad it's not as ubiquitous as it was, but get used to seeing random Valkyries around. RDOM 76 or art yum. I don't know. Uh, Blue Red Storm, two copies of Birji, God of Storytelling. Seems like a good pickup for this deck. I I think both sides have some utility. Again, another modern deck that has its moments. They come and go very quickly, but some people will play it forever and continue to do well with it. Uh, I do like the addition of Birji, though, and I have to try it because I am an old school modern Storm fan, a deck I played a bunch back in the day, and I want to see how big the upgrade is here. Uh, River Glide Pathway helps too with yeah, the yeah. the you know the non fetch land mana base. So that's mm-hmm. cool. yeah, cleaning up the mana a little bit is definitely appreciated in this deck. Rock Paper. This deck is tight. This is a bunch of like Flooded Strain, Glacial Fortress, eight islands, one plains. So just a, a bunch of blue mana cascading into Living End with Ardent Plea, or just hard casting it with As Foretold. So normally you see. Living End decks with two Cascade spells, or you see As Foretold and Electrodomins and stuff. And this is a, like a really clean looking version where I'm actually just surprised that people haven't done this before. So there's only the one Cascade spell and As Foretold, but that together you still have eight ways to cast Living End. And then you get Force of Negation, Cryptic Command, uh, it's a very Time Raveler, and the cycling creatures are all pretty good because of Modern Horizons. Then there's also Waker of Waves, which is a pretty big get, too. Yeah, I think Waker of Waves is a, a big pickup for this archetype. I have routinely <laughs> gone on record as saying like there'll be a moment where As Foretold is the modern deck. Uh, I've been wrong every time I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. At some point, As Foretold is going to mess up modern. And uh, I don't know if this is it, but like you said, well-built deck, very clean, very clear in its goals, able to interact on the battlefield with Cryptic Command, which I really like, you know, set up and step, tap your team down and, and get your alpha attack in is a cool thing for this archetype to have access to. And then Force of Negation, just playing a little bit of defense. The deck has 
only one end game really, but multiple ways to get there now, as opposed to just cycle, cycle, cascade. Like you're you're able to do a little bit more setup, and I really like that change. Yeah, I tested the blue red as for told electro dominance a lot leading up to PT London, and it was it was very very close. Mm-hmm. It's felt uh, that way a few so, times. Yeah, I, I think as for told is is very powerful and. The more things that get banned from modern, the more likely it is that as we're told is going to be the thing that remains is like, oh, this is like a very powerful thing to be doing. So very true. But then again, all the standard decks or the standard cards tend to have things that are more powerful than as we're told. So who knows? Capella Moro, uh, Eldrazi, Tron, still still rocking those maze mind tomes. Love to see it, uh, but don't want to talk about this deck. No, we've done it. Uh, Siumika Goblins, no, was it Pyre of Heroes? Is that the new card that you see pop yeah, up that, in this deck? The that's fake birthing the pod? new birthing pod, and I have seen some of that around. Uh, like you said, giving up on it here. Uh, remember when this was like the hot new thing and goblins were going to be everywhere, and we were sure this was going to take over the format? Yeah, conspicuous new Bogart Harbinger. I wrote an article on it like the day it came out, and I, I. I think I played like two or three leagues with it and it was solid. It was okay. Uh, the combo is like actually super awkward because you needed your thing to not be summoning sick, which right. was like a pretty big problem, honestly, but it was okay. I think in the weeks following the deck ended up becoming like a dark confidant thought deck that didn't have a ton of goblins, but just had the combo in it. And I think that that was actually better than this, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll continue to keep an eye on this archetype. I, I think it's a a meaningful B-plan goblin away. Like, none of this stuff is actually going to get your opponent dead. And obviously, like, we know what the historic goblins deck ended up looking like. It was just became a Muxus deck. And I actually saw a bunch of talk in our Discord this week about people speculating on whether or not Muxus comes to Modern Horizons 2. No chance. I, I think it's just zero chance that that card actually hits the modern format. What do you think? I mean, if you would have asked me, I would have said there's zero chance it hits historic. <laughs> okay, that's a so fair I point. Don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, uh, I, I think now with the evidence in front of us, we know that like not a particularly fun card, not something you really want to add to the format. So I would be super shocked to see that in Modern Horizons too. But, you know, I, I, who knows what to expect from that set at this point. Uh, Sani Toter or something. Why these like I I get that you can't remake screen names, you know, and Magic Online doesn't allow you to do like spaces anymore, but I'm just really bad at pronouncing these screen names. It just seems like it's more and more they're getting to be like random assortments. I, of I think you're doing a fine job. I don't think you've messed up any of these so far. And you know how good I am at pronunciation. So if I'm on board with how you're doing this, obviously you're just killing it. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, it just makes me feel dumb because I look at this and I'm just like, I don't even, I don't really know like what this is trying to say or what language the etymology comes from or anything. I'm just like, this is just random letters to me. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, we've made a lot of online handles at this point, right? As a society, we've just gone very deep right. with the, with the online handles. Yeah. Uh, I wrote about this deck too. This is bring to light scape shift. Uh, this one is different than the one that I wrote about. My list didn't have Ren and Six. I cut it. I cut Ren and Six and a bunch of people got mad at me. Uh, this list is playing four and is more in line with the 
you know, typical online versions that you see. Although this one has Bring to Light and No Valky in it. Surprising. Seems like a very low cost inclusion. Why don't you talk a little bit about why you ultimately cut Ren and Six? Why are you killing that sacred cow? Uh, so it, it kills some stuff. If it does, cool. Uh, otherwise, it brings a bunch of lands back to your hand, which is fine if you're doing like Grow Spiral Uro stuff. But a lot of these lists were just like, eh, I'm going to like, you know, play some Grow Spirals and not really care about it. And this list at least has four spirals and two explorers. So I'm, I'm more on board with that. But I don't know, like in, in place of Rain and Six, I just wanted to play more explorers and more land. And then actually do bring the light on turn four and be able to skate shift on, you know, turn four, if possible, turn five. And that just seemed like a better plan to me. Okay. Uh, I think that tracks. Um, this deck seems like it's kind of hedging a little bit and looking to do both, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, basically, I want my scapeshift decks to have spells that are like remand and grow spiral where, mm-hmm. you know, they move you ahead while also just like not committing a resource to it. Because if you go like, you know, like lightning bolt your thing, path your thing, Supreme Verdict or whatever, then you don't have enough resources to have like seven lands and escape shift. Yep. So you need a lot of your cards to actually just replace themselves or have like this big source of card advantage, which Ren and Six can sort of provide, but at the cost of like actually, you know, slowing you down and making it so you can't escape shift in a timely manner to actually kill people. So it just, it doesn't seem like it really fits to me. In the moments where it's a reliable removal spell, I imagine it's one of the best things you can be doing in this deck. But right, I, because it then it then it does the reman thing, right? It correct. like interacts with your opponent and correct. is going to buy you back lands. I am I am not sure that's the case presently, though. As we go through this deck dump, it's not like we're in the infect era or you know any of the other eras where like noble hierarch was the best card in the format. It, it, we're just not in that moment right now. I think uh, if we get back to that moment, then sure. I, I really like Renin Six in that scenario. But your point as to what you're trying to achieve with these decks, it tracks. Yeah, and like another thing is that you don't have a ton of spot removal in this deck because of the reasons I mentioned earlier. So normally it's like you play Renin Six, you get back a land, and then it just dies. Mm-hmm. So you're you're really banking on like being on the play or having things just go really favorable for you in order for this card to be good. And especially like playing four copies, I could just never fathom that i don't think sure. i would ever do that sure anyway deck has omnath in it it's cool vasoy two three two three burn super low to the ground wayward guide beast uh 18 lands but like random scourge of the skyclaves is a big beater on top of like bump of the night and stuff like that so weird deck. yeah i, I kind of like that with like the combination of uh guide beast and just like doming yourself over and over with your blood crypts and guide beast functioning as your second land a lot of the time here. So obviously not the most powerful card, but I think they found a good application for the card here. And uh, I, I don't hate this at all. No objections. Well, if it's functioning as your second land, then it doesn't cast scourge, right? So like the rest of the deck is one mana card. So I get that. Right. I, I think it's fine to end up in those scenarios where like, you do have to hit your second land to cast Scourge because there's only four Scourge in the deck. And like you said, everything else is castable for one mana. So the scenario where you're getting boned because you only have the one land and you're relying on Guide Beast, I think it's pretty rare. All right, so so answer me this. Why Scourge instead of Eidolon? 
Why a scourge instead of Eidolon? I would have to think you are in the market for body sizing, or you just think it's like too hard to leverage your your own guide beasts if you're casting Eidolon because you are in a scenario where you're just like doming yourself a bunch and you're actually a little fragile with your life total and you don't want to go that far. Like but Scourge no, gives you a little more flexibility, though. right? Like if there is a large amount of aggressive style decks, and I think there are, like there's still a lot of burn, still a lot of mono red, at least with Scourge, you can kind of hedge a little bit and and play softer games into aggressive opponents where you don't just have to devastate your own life total. Yeah, if you told me that there was a lot of burn, I don't think that this is the burn deck that I would play to try and beat the mirror, but okay. I don't know. It's it's just weird to me. I mean, the the sideboard also has like four collective brutality, so it is pretty clear that mirror type stuff is a pretty big concern. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Then there's like two searing blaze, right? Like searing blaze is kind of the best card in the mirror. Yeah, I don't know. In- just, interesting. I, I'd is, be curious what the goals were. Yeah, it is interesting, and I it's normally I'm I'm pretty good at like looking at it and being like, oh, I know what this person is thinking, right? Mm-hmm. But in this case, I'm just like, I, I don't know. Uh, predicted yog moth. Thran, Physician, Garrosh Messenger, Strangler, Geist, combo deck type of stuff. Uh, now with Aether Vial, one copy of In Search of Greatness. How do you feel about that? Good for you, In Search of Greatness. Way to get in there. I played some In Search of Greatness this week. That card remains terrifying. Sometimes it does absurd things. Sometimes it does nothing. And the the four Search of Greatness thing, it, it doesn't work. Like It's just too inconsistent. You really can't do it. But as a nice little value add and just sometimes it goes off, I've appreciated it. And I, I played two copies of in, in Search of Greatness for the deck I was playing this week. It was quite good. I was quite happy with it. Uh, seems like a fine addition here. Eduardo underscore Osorio. See, that's clean. That Very I get. Clean. I get. Very I appreciate clean. the underscore. Clean deck uh, too. Yeah, Azorius, Spirits, Aether Vial, All Creatures, 20 lands. Uh, nothing super fancy. I also tested this deck a little bit for PT London. We didn't have Skyclave Apparition right. or Shackle Geist. Unsettled Mariner might have been in there. No, we didn't We didn't have Modern Horizons, I don't think. Uh, yeah, it was, it was Post Horizons. Maybe. Maybe we did. I don't know. Because you ended up playing Jund, right? I did, and I did have Renin Six in my deck. Yeah, yep. And it was it was a Hogak PT, so that also is a good good point of evidence that there's oh, modern. Horizon. Yeah, yeah, it was Hogak. Uh, I did a lot of losing, so I only played against Hogak once. Okay, good plan, good strategy. But yeah, man, uh, spirits. It's okay. Should be its tagline: spirits. It's okay. Yeah, but, but like you know, not like an upbeat. Okay, it's like eh, you know, shrug. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no notes. We've talked spirits before. This screen name, I also understand. Freak You Nasty. Uh, this is another Bring to Light Scapeshift deck. This one is a little bit more wild in that it's making use of the gold cards, like Ren and Six, Teferi, uh, Bring to Light, Grow Spiral. Got some Lightning Helixes in there by playing one copy of Niv Mizzet Reborn. I think that's actually kind of cool. And then uh, Deafening Clarion, Kaya's Guile, just random stuff. Oh, Dryad of the Elysian Grove. That's in there right. too. Yeah, so Dryad, using Dryad to trigger the Valakuts. Yeah, Dryad along with Ren and Six is another thing I could get behind. Okay. Yeah, that's I get a different. That. That's a different deck than what I was trying to build. But oh, This looks like an interesting take on the archetype. Pretty cool, I think. I, I like the, the power level of the options present here. 
Yeah, it's interesting because Bring Delight into Tybalt is solid. And in most other scenarios, you're either getting like Supreme Verdict or a Scapeshift to kill them. Mm -hmm. And this is like, well, sometimes maybe you just want like this big card drawer. I'm not sure when that scenario is, right? But you are already just playing a bunch of gold cards in your deck for Niv Mizzet. Yeah. In this case, is it just when you don't have dry? Can you still, how many mountains are we actually dealing with? I guess we have enough mountains, right? So you don't uh, need Dryad to be able to combo off. Yeah, there's got to be enough mountains. Yeah, they're there. Man, those Triumphs, those are those are sneaky cards. They really let you get up to some shenanigans. Yeah, there's 13. That's that's still a lot. I think yeah. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with like 10 to 12. And a lot of the lists I see have like 14. I guess a scenario where your ramp has been challenged in the early game, like you haven't been able to effectively ramp and your opponent's not really pressuring you, it makes sense that Nibmizit would be the best thing you could do. But in that scenario, it's like, how are you resolving bring to light? Like it already feels like you're playing from behind in that spot, right? I guess if you like have your Teferi, then you can just reload with Nibmizit. Um, is is that better than getting Tybalt though? Like I, it is if you're under pressure. It, like Tybalt would just die, but uh, it also has a, a million loyalty. Yeah, it could be better against decks that like can effectively answer a planeswalker from an empty battlefield, and you don't get like the immediate boost of taking out their best threat. Like they're just they're just empty, right? How good is it to actually plus and get access to two more cards? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is just better than rolling the dice with Nivmizit. But I mean, Nivmizit can any, be anything. It's like the boat where you just rip through your deck and see what you hit. It's true. All right. Kim Kimmer, uh, is it Cloudform, Dwarven Mind, Polymorph, Transmogrify, Emrakul, the Aeons Torn? Oh, I guess it's technically Jeskai. There's Time Ravelers. Hmm. I don't think that this deck was struggling because of not having enough Polymorphs. <laughs> that it, was part of the problem. It honestly it, was. It helps, but I don't think it solves everything. And, Correct. Uh, yeah. How good is just like an Emrakul right now? How many ways do you actually have to challenge an Emrakul? Uh, a lot of the stuff that kills Toski kills Emrakul. Okay. N- not all of it, but you know, like Liliana type stuff. So I don't know. I mean, this deck also makes like excess tokens. Potentially like you could wait a turn and get an extra Dwarven Mine to protect it from an Edict or something. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'd have to think very carefully about the reasons why you would want to be polymorphing. I'm a big fan of these strategies, and I, I've done this before, but I'm not jumping out of my chair to play this one. Teferi's cute. It makes it interesting, right? You know, you can hold open mana to react to what your opponent's doing. End of turn polymorph, kind of like with uh, like an Emrakul with haste. Also makes it so they can't interact when you go to polymorph your token. They can't lightning bolt to mm-hmm. break up your combo. So that aspect is good, but yeah, I'm not sure if this is the type of stuff that was holding it back, like it doesn't solve the right problems. I, I will note that there's not a whole bunch of ways to get Emrakul's back in the deck and only two copies of Emrakul. Like one Fire Prophecy, two Is It Charms, I think are all yeah. we're working with. Yeah, dude, that's enough. Is it? These decks, yeah, the, so these decks played Is It Charm a little bit. And usually when I played them, I went a step further and played like a Sea Beyond or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I always played a Sea Beyond too. Yeah, and Fire Prophecy is is mostly an upgrade to that, right? So I think that that's enough. Like, 
when when it comes down to it, where you have like an Emrakul in your hand that you really want to get rid of, all you need to find is one copy of those cards. It's not like you play these super long games a lot of the time where you need to do it multiple times unless you get really, really unlucky. Here's the thing I'll say about this deck, and it's the highest praise I can give it. This might be the best reason to not unban Ponder in the format. Like getting access to a really good cantrip would be a huge get for this deck. And I'm I mostly am a pro ponder advocate. I, I think it could do good things for the format, but here's a point where I actually start to get a little nervous. And I could see that level of consistency really enabling this deck. But as it stands, it it's kind of draw dependent. And I find that a little bit frustrating. This deck doesn't play opt or serum visions though. So how much do they actually care? I think they do care. I think those cards are so bad that <laughs> that that's why they don't play them. And if they had access to the good one, they could be a much more consistent version of themselves. Sure. Uh, next deck, Captain Nixon, Grixis, but Monastery, Swiss Spear, Soulscar Mage, Sprite Dragon, Scourge of the Skyclaves, uh, Lava Dart, Manamorphose, Mistress Bobble, Luris. So I don't know. This is like kind of like the Rakdos Shadow decks, kind of uh like the is it spells decks just just a mishmash they just shuffled these two decks together yeah you're picking up like two spell period like the reason i would do this is because i wanted access to more disruption i would i would say the format's at a moment where uh having access to counter magic is a big deal and with only two spell pierce in this deck i i don't think you've changed the geometry of the typical racto setups by getting blue into the deck here i think you've just made yourself a little bit more inconsistent there we see Serum Visions trying to play the Ponder role, and uh, it's not going to get the job done. Spoiler alert. Yeah, this is another deck where it's it's kind of weird looking at the the threat base, right? Where it's like the prowess creatures are obviously very good. You have Metamorphose, Lava Dart, Mistress Bobble, a bunch of cheap spells. So like those cards are going to hit hard a decent amount of the time. Sprite Dragon is uh you know another prowess creature, but with upgrades. Super prowess and. I don't know. You look at the Sprite Dragon and it's like, couldn't that just be Death Shadow? I mean, you're three colors. You're probably dealing yourself a bunch of damage already. Uh, so I don't really know why that's there. And then at that point, you know, Serum Visions is looking pretty weird. But like these decks do want some amount of consistency, ideally. I don't know if Serum Visions is like the right way to go about it. But I don't know. It's like maybe Sprite Dragon is there because flying is really good. Maybe Scourge is there in this otherwise blue red deck because you wanted Thoughtseize or because it is a big threat and a big blocker and maybe that is relevant like we saw in the other burn deck it's hard to say yeah uh in the early stages of modern i did stuff like this a lot where i would just like mush together a third color and be like oh i have disruption now and i've made myself better and it usually did not work out that way like just being lean and doing the things you're uh, two-color deck is best at, often leaves in a better position than doing this type of Brixis stuff, I've found. It is funny to me that Monastery Swift Spear, you know, Lightning Bolt type of stuff is not just focusing on trying to get them dead. Like mm -hmm. Monastery Swift Spear Thoughtseize is always just like a head-scratcher for me, but it is kind of where you need to be in Modern if you want to do that sort of strategy. So, like, I get it, but at the same time, it just makes me think that you should not be doing Swift Spear stuff if you need to resort to those sorts of tactics to get the job done. Sure. Yeah, it's just a good argument for Death Shadow. Yep. Alpha Blade, 29 lands for Karn the Great Creator, for Amulet of Vigor. Uh, you kind of know the rest. I don't know. Just a, a normal amulet deck. 
Yeah, uh, this is not what Amulet usually looks like right now. It has gotten away from Ancient Stirrings and uh, Karn the Great Creator for the most part. But if you find a reason to go back to Karn, this is probably how you should build it. I don't have that reason right now. I think Karn is kind of low in terms of his impact on games. Like Obviously, there have been points recently where Urza was a big deal and artifacts in general were a huge deal. It doesn't feel like we're in that moment right now. And I don't feel like the sideboard cards are changing a whole bunch that this deck is capable of right now. So I would just play a cleaner, more traditional version of Amulet in this moment. Four copies of Explore. How do you feel about that? I think Explore is good again. Uh, I, I think things have gotten to the point where like, you can get away with taking that turn off and it's it's not as damning. And it's just a different moment for Modern. And when we were forced to not play Explore, it might have been a sign that like this wasn't the correct deck to be playing. Kind of like Swiss Beer Thoughtseize sort of stuff. Yeah, just like it. Wait, why is it just like it? Well, because it's like, I want to play Swiss Beer, but in order to win with Swiss Beer, I have to play Thoughtseize. And then- okay that those things don't go well together. It's kind of like that. Gotcha. You know, you make these drastic changes to your deck or your archetype in order to survive the format when the best play is to just switch archetypes probably. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of that recently in Magic, and I'm I'm not sure why that feels like it's at such a premium in this moment. Uh, maybe it's because the paths are a little bit more linear and the power disparities are so large amongst cards. Like, people feel like they're priced into playing x card and they're like well okay i need to play x card but i still need to do this thing so how do i mush them together and it's been a recurring theme over our podcast last few weeks now yeah don't don't be a bad version of something else truth half i don't know it's it's half something but h x l f n x x s x this is this is what we've come to all other names were taken if that is half something then it's half na sa Half NASA, got it. It's I mean, got to be, right? If, if X equals A, then... See, I, I don't know if X equals A. I think X equals something. But I see how you got there. I don't think that they mapped it out, though. What are those things called? Cryptograms? Is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah. When, when you replace one letter with another. My grandfather used to do those all the time. They're weird. Uh, I did some of those as a kid, too. I, th- I thought they were kind of fun. I don't think I would spend my time on them now. Uh, but here I am spending time on it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, Death Shadow, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Sprite Dragon, couple copies of Croxa, yep. uh, similar stuff going on as the the above deck, except this one is like, okay, well, if we're thought seizing, we're going to be a little bit more grindy. This one has uh, Thought Scour to fuel Croxa. Also, two copies of Unearth to go with those Thought Scours. A lot of discard. Uh, yeah, some Fatal Pushes, some Lightning Bolts. Luris Companion, of course. This looks like a cleaner way to do what the other deck was trying to do. And, uh, you know, this is still a fine deck. Death Shadow has not rendered itself irrelevant. It requires a tremendous level of skill and a lot of metagaming and careful choices. But if you're a Death Shadow person, you don't need to hear my thoughts on the deck. You, you've bonded with this deck. It's part of your soul at this point, and you're playing it no matter what. So, Nick Deeb or Nick Debbie, uh, Selesnia Company... Heliod, two copies of Archangel of Thune at the top end, no Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl stuff, just going with normal mm-hmm. Birds of Paradise Noble Hierarch. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I guess it's better. There's four copies of Ranger Captain of Eos, so like that's a little bit more castable. 
I, I have no strong opinion as to which build is better. I, I do think this deck is quite good right now, and it's proven itself to be quite good. It has been all over recent results. Uh, yeah. The challenges in particular have been dominated by green-white collected company with this combo kill. And uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as just making your package a little cleaner, uh, a little bit easier to cast, and Conclave Mentor does that for this deck. And a lot of the fiercest predators of these strategies are now gone. So don't expect this one to go anywhere. I think this is a modern staple for a while. I watched Michael Jacob test a decent amount for the mocks that he won where he played this deck, and it involved a lot of siding out Arbor Elf against Ren and Six decks. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep in Utopia Sprawl because it did, didn't die to Ren and Six. So uh, this is certainly, if this if this was a popular deck or something like it with... Uh, eight mana accelerants, I would want Ren and Six in my deck somewhere. Right. You know, so like that's definitely a strike against it. It does fix your mana in a lot of different ways because you have the double white stuff that doesn't necessarily require you to like fetch shock a Temple Garden or whatever. And you get to play Razor Verge Thicket. This deck has Horizon Canopy, like a lot of Horizon Canopies. Mm-hmm. So I see it. I don't know though. Like Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl is like, you know, pretty busted when you get it going too. So. Uh, it's definitely on another power level for sure. Like that level of acceleration is not something that happens very often. Uh, and, and you feel it when you get that kind of combination. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of similar to the death shadow decks where there's a lot of viable paths and strategies and you can only do so wrong. Fair enough. Bear AR or bear R, uh, Tron. Next. Two copies of thought not see your main deck technology. Big tech. Apriolo one. Amulet, 33 land. Love it. Elvish Reclaimer with Flagstones, Sacred Tribe Scouts, uh, two Turn Timber Symbiosis. I guess 35 land. 35. Kinda. Yeah. If you love 33 land, you're really gonna love 35 land. Yeah, this is this is just creatures that accelerate you, amulets, and you know, like packed for Titan, and that's it. Uh, so if, if we go back to the last argument where it's like, oh, we shouldn't do these things to alter our deck to make it good, then you go to the point where you go, okay, what's the purest version of this strategy? How does it just do this one thing, nothing else, as streamlined as possible? And it might be this. It It's weird to just get to the point where it's only these things, but they're so powerful in conjunction with each other. I love turn timber symbiosis in these decks. The idea of playing 35 land, if you've never played amulet, it sounds ridiculous. If you've played a lot of amulet, you're like, yup, I would love to play 35 lands. That's exactly what I want my hands to look like. So I I don't know. I, I was a big naysayer of the green white takes on this back in the day, but I think they've gotten to the point where they know what they want to do. They know what they're trying to achieve and they're just doing it as cleanly as possible. Uh, Flagstones plus Elvish Reclaimer is awesome stuff. Like really, really good stuff. Again, modern power level stuff and there probably should be more of it than we see right now. So I love that and I love a lot of things about this deck. It, It just is a good representation of this is the best thing to do. Let's find the best way to achieve these goals. Make, make, Mike, Mike. I don't know. Stoneforge Mystic, Snapcaster Mage, Omnath Locus of Creation, Ren and Six, Teferi Time Raveler, some Bolt Paths, Force of Negation, Cryptic Command. I'm supposed to love this deck and I don't. No, Why don't Toski. I love this deck? Because you know you can play Toski instead and do a lot of these same things and be happier. Yeah, this is another deck where I'm just like, okay, you added Ren and Six to it, but I, I don't really agree with it. 
Uh, Renin Six is a powerful magic card, but it's always been at its best where it was achieving a very clear goal. And like, as soon as I saw this card, it's like, oh, well, this is the Wasteland card. And obviously that was enough to get it banned. As far as its application in modern, it's just supposed to be like this good value engine. And there's only certain times where it actually functions as that good value engine. So ask yourself if this is that time. You know, I think your point towards the green-white decks being very prevalent is fair. That's a strong reason to play Renin Six, but I think you can just build better versions of this deck is what it comes down to. There's two basic islands in this deck with Renin yeah, Six. That, that's tough to cast a Renin Six through that. And in a planes, man. Uh, you got to get those Omnats out there. So I, I get it. Humming Bard, another mono white deck. Ooh, Winds of Abandon. Three copies of Winds of Abandon. I love it. This is Death and Taxes uh, with a Urian Companion, so 80 cards. So I guess you got to stretch a little bit to the point where you play Winds of Abandon. Big blowout potential for that card, though. I mean, maybe some of the biggest blowout potential in all of modern at the moment. And, you know, these aren't open deck list events. So I think you get some value off of just having the random winds of abandon in your deck. So love to see this card. I think it's a really powerful card. Fourth in the sideboard, too. Love it. Mm-hmm. Victorious Champion. That's a screen name. I can read that. Very Jund. Great. Jund. Four Liliana, four Ren and Six. This is a Ren and Six deck. I can get, get on board with that. Bloodbird Elf, Tarmogoyf, three season Pyromancer, two Croxa, pretty solid creature base, seven spot removal spells, six discard spells, some K commands, and a Maelstrom Balls, 23 land. 23 land is maybe a little bit low, but you do have Renin six. Good old Jund. Nothing beats Jund. This is a cool list, though, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, as far as a Jun list can be cool, yeah, it's like every other Jun list I've ever seen. It's not doing anything fundamentally different. I, I think it's good. I think it'll be fun to play. I, you know, every year or so I register for a league with Jund and I go like 3 2 or maybe in the best times 4 1. And I go, yeah, that was nice. And then I don't play it again because it has a lot to overcome. Fantan 4 4 4, 6 Island, 12 Tron Land. Yeah, Mono Blue Tron. Uh, I don't see much that has changed about this deck. It's been the same deck for, what, eight years now? No, I mean, there's there's a few different versions. This is one that, I don't know, it's got Supreme Will in it. That's not really a modern level powerful card or anything. I like the ones with like Talisman, Gemstone Caverns, Thought Not Seers, Shark Typhoon. And this is like just more controlly. I don't really like it. Yeah, I don't think you can get away with that in uh, present modern, but you could be like Shock Troopa and just do it for 10 years and constantly win. So what do I know? Shock Troopa has way more one-offs in his deck list. True. I met that kid once. I played him in a tournament. I feel like there's more to this story. There's there's a lot more to this story. Okay, <laughs> we'll take that offline, I guess. Mash Malovsky. I, I have nothing bad to say about Shock Troopa, in case anyone's wondering. Mash okay. Malovsky. Uh... They banned Simeon Spirit Guide. So now you have Thassa's Oracle, Phyrexian on Life, Angel's Grace, Spoils of the Vault. What do you do? The answer, according to this deck list, is Inverter of Truth, Jace Wielder of Mysteries to like kind of add on to your combo. I've seen some versions too that just don't even have the Inverter stuff. So I, I don't really know what to make of this, but you do get to accelerate into some of this stuff with Pentad Prism and there's a bunch of Talismans. There's less awful cards in this deck now right like less completely meaningless cards which is nice a lot of them are combo pieces in in some way and 
Lotus Bloom past turn one was kind of awkward. You don't have right. that anymore, but like that takes away some of the explosiveness. Oh, four shell dock aisles too. That's cool. So you can like that. you can shell dock inverter into a Jace or something, and then just like cast it and upkeep Jace. Yeah, yeah, uh, not not bad. I, I think that's a cool setup. Shell dock, of course, the hideaway land from Lorwyn that. Whenever it shows up, it's doing something absolutely degenerate. Like nobody's ever done anything good with Sheldock Isle. So yeah, I, I could see a lot of good Sheldock setups where you just know that that's what you're playing towards. And it's weird how it feels like this deck is able to combo in long games, but not able to really extend to long games. Although maybe I'm not giving enough credit to just the combination of Phyrexian on life and a Teferi Time Raveler to just keep yourself going long enough to set this kind of stuff up. Yeah, it's interesting. This is definitely a deck that you would have to see, you know, like what their nut draw is versus like how well they play against Jund or Blue-White Control or something. And it's yep. like you see, you see like a match of either of those and then you have a, a much clearer understanding. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any like immediate revulsion to this deck list. It, it seems like worth exploring. Maybe this isn't the final version of it, but I, I don't hate what's happening here. Yeah, no, it looks cool to me. Tuna underscore Lord. Sigardizade, Steel Shapers Give, Colossus Hammer, now with Magmatic Theft, Fairvin Champion, Invisible Stalker, Core Outfitter. So this is just like hard on combo, put my hammer on my thing, no real backup plan. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever... I'm sure we've mentioned it. I don't think we've ever spent a lot of time on Colossus Hammer on this cast. What is your sense of where this deck lies right now? Right now, I don't know. I know that it was crushing it for a, a while. And, you know, watching watching some games of it, just like through streams, not necessarily playing against it myself, it was like they, they threatened like a turn to hit you fairly consistently, right? And then mm-hmm. even when you're like, well, I had the removal spell or, or whatever – like they can still re- rebuild pretty easily. Uh so it's it's pretty scary honestly. Yeah, I think the uh ability of Luris to like rebuild from really bad positions for this deck is very nice. It feels like again another deck that's supposed to pick its moments and not just like jam through every meta game, but that's that's okay. And I guess if I'm playing a deck that I feel that way about I want the one that can kill you on like turn three. Like that's right. fine because sometimes no matter how hostile the metagame is, you just find it and you're able to find the nut draw. So I think, I think this deck is still on the rise. I think it's still got, again, room to be sorted out. A lot of times these new combo decks in modern really take a few months until they get their final forms. And certainly this has floated around for about that period of time now. So maybe we're coming up to the point where it can just be like, okay, yes, we have found the Heimer deck. We know how to build this. And now it gets to be elevated to staple status in the modern format. Ryuji 89, four copies of Wild Nakatl. What year is it? That's what I want to know. This is a big zoo deck though. Uh, it has Bolton Path, but also... Noble Hierarch, Knight of the Reliquary, Bloodbraid Elf, Bonecrusher Giant, Clothis. I don't I can't imagine this being good, but it did 5-0 this league. I I love Big Zoo. I for whatever reason, I've always been drawn to the archetype. I like the idea of like the mid-range-ish beatdown deck. I wouldn't even try this in standard right now. Like that's how outdated this concept feels in a lot of ways. And to r- run these cards up against the modern cards is bold and obviously found the 5-0 so props and 
you know, it, it goes back to like the hammer principle where if I have a deck that maybe isn't the best thing, I'm glad it can beat you down. And this deck can do that. It's got a reasonable clock, uh, the smallest amount of creature control and a few sticky cards and things like Clothis and Knight of Autumn that can disrupt opposing plans. But yeah, I, you can't sell me that this is like the next big thing in modern. Same. Galenator, uh, Demir, Control, Dead of Winter. It's a nice one. Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor as the card advantage thing and some Shark Typhoons and a Tassiger as kill conditions. But yeah, Thought Scour, you, Drown in the Lock, your spell, Cryptic Command, etc. Uh, I can't I can't give any feedback on this deck because while we were doing this, I just realized that I own like 40 Dead of Winters because I was so convinced that snow was such an important part of every format going forward with the printing of Arkham's Astrolabe. And it just dawned on me that I now have 40 basically worthless Dead of Winters, unless I play this deck, which probably not going to do. But yeah, I don't think that investment's going to pan out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They were so cheap when I bought them. Like they, they were definitely less than a dollar. Dude, it's it spiked in January. It went from a dollar to three fifty. I I think I paid like sixty to seventy cents each for them. It sounds like you're rich already. So, all right, put another can, one on the scoreboard. You can now commence with <laughs> like your uh, I don't know market disruption. However you want to. Yeah, yeah, I can I can flood the market now. Well, if there's one thing that. No, I just past- need like hype up the deck. Dead of Winners busted. Oh, Get yeah, your Dead yeah. of Winners now. Uh, if, there, if there's one thing that the past few years has taught me is that the quality of your investment has absolutely nothing to do with how good that thing you've invested in actually is. Like it's completely arbitrary and winners and losers are determined at random. So if I'm a winner for Dead of Winters, so be it. I'll take this one. Sandy Toter, I feel like I... I- Went through this person's name already in this league. That that sounds correct. Yeah, yeah, they're here twice. Okay, so yeah, this was the uh, bring to light scape shift person that did not have Valky, and now they are here also 5 0 uh, with Jund, two Luris main deck to go with their Mishra's Bobbles. I'm down with that uh, because, you know, you want to play Liliana the Veil. They also have one copy of Questing Beast, which I don't necessarily agree with, but whatever, you do you. Uh, one copy of Valakut Awakening. Okay, this this Love list it. is wild. Love that Valakut Awakening. I think Valakut Awakening is an underplayed card in Magic in general. I think it's much better than people give it credit for. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't like quite get how it fits here, but I think it's so good that you can just play it in a bunch of places and people don't take advantage of it enough. I mean, I guess like Ren and Six is a nice synergy to some extent, and the Liliana thing's a little awkward. Like you kind of want some fodder but it's still just like it's a land that is occasionally a a cantrip and then sometimes it's way better than a cantrip like actually really meaningful so uh i i don't hate this card at all and i think people should play more of it i agree with you like most of the time in standard i've just needed to play spike field hazard or shatter skull smashing right Mm -hmm. uh in the case of this deck with four ren and six if you want to try and convince me to play an etb tapped land it would be a cycling land probably, right? And there's already a Baron more in this deck, but I find it hard to believe that this is better than a cycling land. And then if you're talking about Ren and Six, just like giving you a bunch of lands, well, then I probably want Season Pyromancer, but I, I get that this is a split card, you know? Yeah, yeah. Cycling land is like definitely more consistent, lower upside. 
I would say. And having having both makes some amount of sense to me. Um, there, there's better Valakut Awakening decks for sure. And your point is very fair. I just wanted to highlight this card because I kind of love it. And I, I think there's interesting, bizarre things we could be doing with this card, not just being like, oh, this is almost free for me to play. Like a few months ago, I remember seeing a Jeskai Control deck that was very heavy on Valakut Awakening. And I, I thought it was really smart. It was like a really good way to... Uh, interact with your jaces and also you were playing a lot of very conditional cards at least this particular list was almost to the point of like having you know rest in peace in the main deck and things like that like very very swingy cards and using valakut awakening to kind of filter what they had access to in a given moment and i thought that was a really cool take on the card all right what about the polymorph deck with a valakut awakening right because okay. it's it's the yeah, best yeah. it's the best sea beyond of all time yeah, it, it seems solid to me. I think this card being an instant is so, so powerful. Right. And the, the ability to go into a turn with a completely fresh hand is game-changing, especially in a deck that has a bunch of dead cards. So worth looking at for sure. Sideboard also has one copy of Blight Beetle, so suck it, Heliod. Love it. Might see I, more of that card. I, I'm not sure if it's actually good, if that's like the best card you can play, but that's a, a nice uh, throwback, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, they they certainly have outs to it. There's plenty of Skyclave apparitions around, and uh, they're not leaving against this deck, like the very powerful card in general. So uh, I, I don't think it's like a KO, but cool piece of technology to identify. Uh, DRPP. I, I believe this is Dr. PP, and I believe there was a Smash player with the same name who had to change his name. Okay, I, w- I wouldn't have even gone there. Or maybe it's, you know, Drip or something. I don't know. That's Whatever. the way I would have read it, but I- I'll take your word for it that this is, in fact, Dr. PP. It is. It's Dr. PP. Okay, Mono Red. Uh, this is a list that I actually like, though. Swiss Spear, Soul Scar Mage, Kiln Fiend, Bedlam Reveler, Bone Crusher Giant, Crash Through, Light Up the Stage, Burst Lightning, Lava Dart, Bolt, Manamorphose. So nothing super spectacular, but like, yeah, if you're gonna if you're going to Swift Spear, man... Do it this way. Go all in. Get those Kiln Fiends in the mix. Oh, you don't you don't have to go that far, but definitely get Bedlam Reveler in the, in the mix. Now you get the sweet old border ones. Come on. Yeah, uh, those are all highlighted in this deck dump, by the way. And uh, of course they are. Yeah, it's it's become increasingly difficult to scroll through these and like see the bizarre array of cards that are flashed in front of you. But thankfully, when it comes to modern, I I know all the cards by just reading the name, and I don't have to identify them all that often. But so it's, it's I, getting deep now. It's getting real I, deep. I hovered over the Toski and it gave me the the old art one, which sure, why not? You know, looks cool, and I remembered seeing it, but I I hadn't seen it in such a long time. So I was like, ah, what is that? Uh, so yeah, they they just do this thing where it, like auto loads the most recent printing of the card, I guess. In this case, with the Bedlam Reveler, it's like it would be smart if you did that on purpose because right. this one is legible and it looks cool, right? A little advertising, sure. Yeah, but for the first list that we looked at with the Valakut, and it was like, here's the Expedition one. It's like, that's not really a selling thing to me. That's like, why does this card look so weird, right? But the Bedlam Reveler is like stylish. It's it's classy. It looks good. And, you know, the next deck has a Flooded Strand that's also an Expedition. And it's just like, it's, it's just weird. It doesn't look like a magic card to me. It's not selling me. All right, but in fairness, what happened after when we were doing our pre-show prep and you and I went through the first list and saw that Valakut. You were like, what set is this from? 
because for whatever reason you wanted to own foil valakits, and that's a you problem. Probably, but th- let me tell you something. Wizards is very effective at targeting me. I know that for a fact. They know exactly how to get me to buy things. So this is this is probably me targeted. Everyone else can just not worry about it. They can't get you to buy Time Spiral, man. That should be that that should be like hook, line, and sinker for you. Yeah, I don't know why they miss me on that one. It, it seems like I'm very much in the minority, and I, I'm not trying to convince anyone to the contrary because I think it's like a fine product. I have no objection to it. It just. I just have these cards. So what am I what am I supposed to do? Am I really okay. going to buy boxes and boxes of cards I already have? Okay, okay, listen. Th- I don't think we've talked about this yet and our podcast is in 2 hours yet, so I feel like we we got plenty of time for me to bring it up, right? Okay. Your issue was that I already own four thought pieces. Why would I now want to buy this old bordered one? And that's that's not really how it works, man. The problem is that you don't do a lot of moving with your cards. So a normal person would take their old thought seasons to a vendor and be like, yo, upgrade these. How much would it cost me? Right. But you are not willing. You just want to like order something online and not talk to anyone and just like slowly accumulate more and more cards. But you don't want to accumulate multiple copies of the same card, except in some cases like dead of winter where you just have 40 copies. Right. So I see your problem with it, but I think the way that everyone else interacts with it is that they want to trade in their old ones for the new ones. Okay. And you're just I never going to ha- do that. Hadn't even considered it. It didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, and dude, I, exactly. I know you. I know you. I have you pegged, man. I, I don't know why, because that seems like a fine thing to do. I, I guess like value, because I mean, this isn't like trashing vendors, but like obviously vendors take a cut. Like that's how they stay in business. That's fine. That's what they should do. And I'm like, well, why would I give you a cut if I already have these cards, I guess? But like but at the, the same time, I support vendors. Like I want them to make money and I'd rather just like buy stuff from them, but I want to buy things I don't already have. Right. But you don't want to get got by them. So I guess so. Yeah. The, I guess that's what it comes the, down to. The problem is, is that you are now in a situation where you have all these cards and you're like, oh, I'm giving up value if I make this transaction with a vendor. The problem is, is that your portfolio is increasing, but you're never going to extract the value from it. Oh, it's that's, gonna, that's my problem in all aspects of life, basically, is that I constantly increase these things and never get the value extracted. Yeah, you're never going to sell them. You're, never, you're certainly not going to move them when they're high or whatever. So you have these 40 dead of winters and you're like, oh man, this car is probably pretty bad. Like, why'd I buy these? And I was like, yeah, it, it you know, 5X or whatever. And you're just like, oh, okay. And then they're just going to continue to sit there, dude. So like once every three years, I tend to get a pile of cards together and sell them. And it, it's a rare occasion, but essentially it it is extras. That's what I end up selling most of the time. It's very rare that I'll sell things that I'm just like, oh, I already own this thing. Although if I see a scenario where like, okay, this card is very expensive, right? Like preposterously expensive and obviously due for a reprint, then I will move those cards. So th- those are the scenarios in which I could like find an upgrade, but also I tend to only do that with cards that I'm like, yes, I recognize this card has a purpose, but I'm almost certainly never going to play it. And if I do come back around, then maybe I buy the time spiral remastered version of whatever I'm buying the second time. But I, I guess I was speaking more from like, why would I get boxes and boxes of this? Because this is like the highest percentage of I already own these cards, even more so than like Ultimate Masters. There's always like a chase card where I could be like, yes, if I hit this Ultimate Masters card, I'm good with it. Uh, or, you know, there's just so much value inherent here that I, I'm down to play the the gambling game a little bit. And I 
didn't really get that feel from Time Spiral. But I guess given like how rare these foils are of the time shifted cards, maybe that's the big hook. And that was what will ultimately get me gambling on the set. Yeah, so you look at the the box toppers, right? And it's very clear that, you know, you get one per box and it's of these 30 cards or whatever. And you realize that there are five lottery tickets in those 30. So it's, it's very concise. Mm-hmm. But as far as, yeah, the time shifted foil stuff, it's like not as clearly laid out how potentially good it is for you. So yeah, maybe that's not getting you, but... Realistically, I think that, you know, Time Spiral, the Time Spiral cards are not super desirable, which is why they needed the additional sheet. Sure. And there's there's some stuff in there, right, that, that's cool. And then there's also some stuff like Simeon Spirit Guide, which is like, haha, you just got banned, which kind of sucks. But I think the selling point to me and the reason why I may eventually buy a couple boxes is that I would love to draft this with you, man. I would like to do that. And I know, I'm just not considering like that as a factor at this moment. And maybe I should, maybe we're getting to the point where like, that is a real thing again, that could happen at some point in the future. It's just it's, by the time, like if it happens six months from now though, there's going to be something new that we're going to want to draft together. Like it's not going to be just, this is the thing that we can't wait to do. Right. Yeah. 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 But at that point, then it's like, you do the one thing and then you're done. Right. But like, imagine if I was you know still in Washington and you weren't moving or whatever. Right. Like, I would probably try and do something every couple of weeks, at which point it's cool to have like multiple things on the back burner for us to get to do. Right. Instead I'm just, of just like, like so broken at this point by this pandemic that I don't even think about these things anymore. Like the thought of human interaction doesn't even cross my mind, honestly. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. I think that, you know, we're still a ways out. Um, but I, I'm not like, you know, wondering or like planning for when the next GP is going to be or anything. I think that that's kind of absurd and I'll just let that happen when it happens. But in, in the case of like, you know, time spiral being available, it's like, I'm still thinking about like, Oh, is, is this set for me? What would I do with it? And my first thought was I will probably buy a lot of these bedlam revelers and young pyromancers to like sign and and mail to people because Mm. I think that that would be cool. But the other thing was like, this would be fun to draft and, you know, maybe I'll just buy them and sit on them and wait until I eventually can in who knows how long. Or just when that comes up, like, that is something that I could do with people that I think people would be interested in doing. But Yeah, now um, I, I especially don't have to buy them, though, because I know you're doing it. So yeah, I'll just show up to your draft. That's another thing that I was going to say was that, like, I am more of the type of person to, like, buy the thing and organize the thing and make sure that you show up and have fun versus, right. you know, you just being like, well, I'm definitely not going to like plan and organize that stuff, that thing. So I'm never going to buy them. So oh, good points. Um, yeah. I'm so sure, look, that's I'm sure. why I'm not like hating on this product. I, I don't have any beef with it and I'm not trying to tell people not to like it. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I didn't get hyped about it. And you know, that's, that's part of failure of me, part of failure of wizards if they want to sell it to me or they could just not, because there's plenty of other people they could sell it to. And it's just like, again, this is not a product for Brian. That's fine. And move on. We'll get to the next one. Yeah, no. And, and that's fair. I'm just saying like, I try to look at it from all the angles and, you know, you, you looked at it from the ways that is like relevant to you right now. Right. That's all. Right. But dude, just like the, the product exists, you know, and it's magic cards, find out a way that it would be fun. 
That's probably the glass half full way to approach every set of magic cards. And I think I, I do tend to lean that way. Like I was very into the idea of like jumpstart, even if that's like not a product design for me. And certainly like commander releases I'm on board with. I'm glad people get those, but sometimes things will just miss. And I, I think that's acceptable. Ooh, last thing, tangentially related to this. I currently own eight copies of Thoughtseize. Okay. So I had... So like when I went to work for Wizards, I sold all my cards. And when I got out of Wizards six months later, I was like, oh crap, I need a collection. So I started accumulating cards slowly and I wanted to get Japanese stuff because I like the way it looks. And the first set of thought seasons that I could get in Japanese were the like Theros ones or whatever. Yep. You know, because they were in print at that point. So I had those for a long time. And then the Lorwyn art got reprinted in some set. I don't remember which. And I eventually came across a set of Japanese ones for that set. And they, they were super cheap, you know, like thought seasons were like 15 at the time or something. So it was like, oh, there's no reason for me to like really sell my old ones. I'll sell them at some other point or whatever. And then Pioneer came out and I went to a few different tournaments and built like 10 different Pioneer decks. And as it turns out, man, a lot of those cards overlap. So mm. it was nice for me to have multiple copies of a card to put into multiple decks. And I know that you've built uh, some Pioneer decks to play with Janelle and stuff. And I was wondering, has that problem never come up for you? Uh, I almost purposely go around it. I do remember there's definitely a card or two where there was overlap. But where it was like generally pretty expensive cards, I would just be like, okay, this is the Thoughtseize deck. And this is the... X deck. And so it is not something that has come up for me. Although while you were telling that story, I realized that I have Theros thought seizes, but I also redeemed basically four of every magic online set from the period where I was just playing a lot of magic online. And then I was like, okay, now I want to play paper magic and a hundred percent had four X Lorwyn. So at some point I downgraded my thought seizes is what this means. And I don't have any recollection of do, doing that, but I definitely did it. <laughs> okay. That's that's weird, but all right. Appar- apparently, I, I'm willing to work backwards, but not forwards. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that, especially when you are building multiple decks to like, you know, just play games of magic with people, there is some utility in having multiple copies of a card. And the the way to get around it is by like proxying the thing, right? And maybe it's like you want to print out like a high res thing uh, so that Janelle can read the cards because obviously she doesn't know what all the cards do. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, and in her case, it's very important to have like, uh, I use a lot of proxies, but not when I'm playing with her. Yeah. And so for me, I was like, oh, I'm super cool. I have eight copies of Thoughtseize, so I'll just build all these decks. And then I'm playing against people who are more, you know, integrated into magic than Janelle is, right? But like not enough to the point where it's like, you know, maybe Thoughtseize is not the right card. Like they probably know what that does. But like there were definitely a lot of cards that I had in the decks that were Japanese where they're like, what the hell is this? Or what mm-hmm. does it do? And I was I just, you know, again, felt like an asshole. That is that is basically how I felt uh for the last five years or so, having most of my stuff in Japanese. So Yeah. It's not like in this case, having the eight copies really helped me for what I was trying to do. But in theory, it could if you want to get English stuff. Okay, fair enough. Or if I wanted to move to Japan. Both options, I guess. Anyway, Nils Fit, 
Jeskai Ascendancy, Underworld Breach, Fate Stitcher, Mishra's Bobble stuff. Seen it. Fine. Nothing exciting. Can move on. Ooh, Gigantha. How often do you think you get Gigantha with this deck? Rarely. Why? <laughs> Extremely Why is rarely. it there? It makes me so mad. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jabberwocky. Hex Drinker. Green Black. Ooh, Heartless Act? Wow. Uh, yeah, 23 lands, some treetops, a lot of field of ruins, Mishra's baubles because Luris companion. So no Liliana actually in this green black deck. Uh, yeah, very low to the ground approach to green black. Love these decks. I've played these decks a bunch. Don't think they're very good. Think Jabberwocky is very, very good and can win with stuff like this on a regular basis. So do not try this at home. The man is a surgeon with a basic swamp, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Elvis, uh, Dark Confidant, Tarmogoy for in six, Mistress Bobble, Luris Companion, two Grimflayer, two Croxa. Also one Raven's Crime. Nice. Yeah, much leaner take on uh, on Jund. And this is what I ultimately thought Jund would evolve to when Luris became a thing. Obviously, Luris being nerfed has altered the equation somewhat and... Uh, I like this. Doesn't do enough to separate itself from any of the Jun problems for me, though. And Lively's death, Dredge. Yup. Pygonti, Mill. Yes, correct. TSP Gendrick, Esper, three Esper charms, <laughs> two Kaya's Guiles, some Archmage's charms. Uh, yeah, two Jays, two Teferi, four Snapcaster, sure. A lot of scientific numbers here. Uh, this reminds me of, like, the decks that Zach Allen would always do really well with on the SCG Tour. Oh, They're yeah. fine. Yeah, They require yep. a lot of knowledge, a lot of expertise, and uh, I think also the right metagame. So uh, not rushing to pick out this one, but the people who love these decks can continue to play this and do just fine. I believe this is the second River of Tears we've seen in this deck dump. Shout out to one of my favorite non-basic lands. Also, speaking of science, one Sunken Ruins, two Mystic Gate, just filter lands that have been long forgotten by modern players, but here are able to cast Esper Charm and Archmage's Charm. Yeah, it's an important thing for this deck to be able to do, and I don't think there's really any other way to achieve it reliably, so that's why they get their chance to shine again. Next up to Jordan. Balustrade Spy with like a Char Belcher. I don't know, not super fancy. Yeah, oops, all spells ish. Uh, no real new things going on here. Uh, where are you on this deck now? Again, another deck that I think was like a very big deal and has mostly fallen out at this point just because it is a little bit more fragile than we all thought it would be. Yeah, uh, Cleansing Wildfire is very good. Seeing some in this deck dump, but not a ton. I feel like the number of those will, you know, obviously it's going to ebb and flow with like how popular the deck is, but I feel like Mm -hmm. there's not enough to contain the deck currently. So that number will probably have to go up. But uh, this deck seems solid to me. I still think the Charbelcher version is better, but I could very easily be wrong about that. Okay. Savage summoning in the sideboard. Oh my. Mafia do split. What does that mean? I have no idea. Uh, Rakdo Shadow with Tarmogoyf. Doesn't that make a Jun Shadow? Well, yeah, but I didn't see the Tarmogoyf until later. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so so we update as we go along. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no notes. Unravel the Aether. Love it. Char Azenable or Asianable. I don't know. Uh, this deck is weird. This is Gorio's Vengeance, Gristlebrand, also Obsidot. In case you did not know, you can Gorio's the Obsidot and then keep it. Two copies of Footsteps of the Gorio also, and then two copies of Egon, God of Death. I don't know if that's just like, you know, filling your graveyard and then maybe a little card draw engine type of thing. Seems kind of weird here. Also weird that you would like Gorio's your Gristle Baron and then not be able to really do anything. There's, you know, no spirit guide. There's not like soul spike in this deck list. I think Gorio's Gristle Brand soul spike is kind of tight, but this is just like, I don't know, hit you for seven, draw seven, hopefully be able to do it again next turn. Yeah, it's it's like a combo deck, and your combo is you get to play a mid-range deck. Yeah. But that's not something I want to do in Magic. I do like these decks. This one is not really, you know, calling out to me or anything. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess... I- I, I just don't I don't know what we're trying to achieve with it. Like it, it's it's very vulnerable to a lot of things. Your mid-range plan is not very good. Like your hard cast obsidats are very difficult to get to. You don't really generate good graveyard velocity, and your payoff for hitting your Gorio's Vengeance is like Obsidat is your best payoff, which can be very good against some decks. Other decks it's less meaningful. And then Gristle Brand just like getting you a bunch of cards, you don't immediately convert those to things. So there's a bunch of modern where it's like, okay, you did your thing. And you still need to find a way to win this game, and it's not a certainty. Yeah, I guess you can Egon mill over some lingering souls. That's that's very very weird. Okay. Yeah. Parole, pretty normal. Sigardus aid, Colossus hammer deck. Yeah, I think I like the multicolor builds better, but not by a huge margin. So uh, I think this is a fine way to go about it. Yeah, I think I do too. I'm not sure I'm 100 percent on board with the list that we went over earlier. But, uh, you know, just the, the specifics of it, right? Where it's like had Fervent Champion and a bunch of swords mm-hmm. to get as like a backup plan. Uh, I, I don't really think that that's super great and really going to be killing anyone. But certainly having a bunch of ways to fetch equipment and right. a bunch of ways to equip them, that seems better to me. And then this one is like zero mana creatures to equip the hammer onto, which I guess makes sense. And then Giver of Runes is like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of whatever. Yeah, it's, it's about how your opponent is responding to you. And I, I don't think that's really what you need to adapt to. You need to do your thing first. Like, just commit to being able to achieve your thing and don't worry about having to uh, protect your thing, I would say. Giovanni MF, is it prowess? Pretty normal eight prowess creatures, sprite dragon, uh, stormwing entity, which I guess is technically another prowess creature. But I meant eight one-drop prowess creatures, of course. I feel like we've seen every flavor of this deck now. We've just covered yep. all the bases, all the possible ways you can build this. Yep. Thurf or the RF, uh, another Ascendancy Underworld Breach deck. This one has Emery and is, you know, obviously a little bit more artifact focused. I think I like this one better than the other one. The other one had like a lot of bolts and lightning helixes and was trying to do more controlly stuff. This one has like pretty explosive Emery's Monastery Mentor as a backup plan, which yeah. I guess I don't really like that, but Emery in general seems nice to me. It's a lot of stupid, powerful cards in this deck, like things that are just bannable in eternal formats. So uh, that's a big point in its favor. And I think this deck does a, a decent job of mimicking a vintage deck. 
in the worst way possible. <laughs> like it, yeah. it does all those same tricks, but doesn't ever quite hit the power crescendo that you get to hit in vintage. Of course. I do think that the grinding station decks have not gotten enough attention post-ban. Mm-hmm. Might be time to bring those back. I can buy that. Uh, I've seen this name so much and I never know what it is. Uh, F. Paulus. Yeah, I, I don't know how Francisco pronounces his his moto name, but I do know Francisco. We've talked a bunch. Obviously, uh, uh, Amulet Lover. And one of the first people I went to when I was looking for Amulet resources back in the day, put out a huge primer on the deck and has betrayed the Primeval Titans going with a uh, collected company. How could you, Francisco? This is tight, though. This is Elvish Reclaimer Flagstone, still has Dryad, has Knight of the Reliquary, your collected company into Ramanap Excavator, Tireless Tracker, some Skyclave Apparitions. like or, this, or Six Lands, I mean, also an option. There's 30 creatures, man. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, you could play like some Kazandu Mammoths or whatever. I would have to. Yeah, so do, do whatever it takes. But for, for the list that were like, ah, oh, I have Aether Vial into Elvish Reclaimer and then like two Primeval Titans at my top end. It's like, well, this seems like a kind of a better version of doing that where... Instead of Primeval Titan, you just build your own with like Dried of the Elysian Grove and Ramadab Excavator. What's the power crescendo for this deck? Like, where does it really feel like you're doing something of modern importance? Is it just inevitability? Like, you, you're just eventually going to put together this combination of lands and that'll do? I like that this deck pressures them early. Things like Elvish Reclaimer is sort of a must-kill threat, Knight of the Reliquary, Dry of the Elysian Grove, those are super powerful. And then in the meantime, while you're either like attacking them or, you know, just like getting a bunch of value from your creatures, if they're not tapping out to deal with your stuff, then you're building towards this Valakit endgame. Whereas mm. if they are dealing with your creatures one by one, like a lot of your stuff, the Excavator, Dryad, they're going to give you like a little bit of value and also allow you to slowly build towards that while slowing your opponent down from doing their own thing. So I, I like this a lot, actually. I think that this makes a lot of sense right now. And then you still have stuff like Apparition to deal with their stuff, Tyler's Tracker to draw some cards. Like this looks really good to me, actually. Almost everything in the deck comes out uh, ahead on cards, right? Like you, yeah. you just find ways to squeeze a lot of resources out of everything. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess I'm like... I'm lazy. I want the KO punch, right? I, I want to see like, oh, if I just hit this point, I'm going to win the game. And I, I think this has a lot of nickel and diming it has to do. But at some point, if you are so good at nickel and diming, that amounts to something much more than just accumulating small resources. Well, see, that's the thing is I think that maybe this is true of modern in general, but certainly right now, it seems like three mana creature get like half an extra resource and build towards this inevitable late game is way better to me than do nothing until I get to six mana, cast Primeval Titan, hope that I even get to do all that through disruption and stuff, but then even then hope that it works. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar to the polymorph thing to me where, yeah, okay, you know, show me your combo. Like you did, you did, you did your thing, but are you actually going to win the game as a result of that? And a lot of the time you do, but some of the times you don't, you know, it does have a fail rate. Whereas this deck is just like, slowly inching its way towards there, but it's very, very consistent in doing so. And once it gets there, it's definitely going to kill you. Do you feel like there are popular decks that invalidate that in this moment? Like something like the counters deck, the counters combo deck with Archangel of Thune, that, that seems nightmarish for this deck to run into. 
this is certainly a little bit slower. Right. What's what's the best case scenario? Like Noble into Dryad, probably. So like I could I could see some turn four wins, right? Like you could turn three company, turn four, do a lot of stuff with your yeah, various maybe. things. Maybe. But yeah, that's a lot. I, I think with four noble, two birds, that is not gonna happen all that often. You're probably looking at a turn five kill because you're gonna like reclaim on two or have to like dry it on turn three and then play a land and then company on four and then probably kill on five. And mm. then the counter stack is probably like, I'm at a billion, what's up? So you need some way to get around that. And I guess if this is magic online, then hey, you know, maybe that's it. <laughs> right. Make them do it. Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, you play the game as it's presented to you and that's the game magic online presents you. I, certainly there's like some concessions to this going on in the sideboard as well. Like you see Phyrexian revokers, path to exiles, ways to interact with that type of stuff. Deicide too. Like, yeah, Deicide's a good one. I was just thinking at uh, in, at, at game one, I, I don't think you really interact enough at instant speed and could find yourself in a tight position. But, you know, just collect a company and be good at it and hit a Skyclave apparition. Easy game. Yeah, easy game, easy life. Stoneheart, another mono red deck. This is Obosh, Blood Moon, Prowess Creature, Season Pyromancer, Bone Crusher Giant, whatever. Whatever indeed. Uh, Blood Moon is good again, I guess. Like, that's a thing that you have to worry about, so... I don't know. I guess that is a lesson from this deck. Maple 049 green white hardened scales. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just some path to exiles. Okay. Gotta kill Heliod. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I, I like Path to Exile right now. I, I'm less convinced about the idea of hardened scales being good, but the people who make hardened scales look good don't really care about what's going on around them. They just know how to get so much out of it. So if you find the right ways to interact with the rest of the format maybe maybe it's good enough and maybe just path to exile a little bit of removal and a good clock is what you want to do right now i mean ballista is obviously very strong against a lot of these decks ozolith is pretty powerful against removal there's a spyglass main which i don't really like is that like another nod to heliod i don't even know seems like it seems like it's the uh broadest way to really hard target that deck yeah uh silent song as foretold electro dominance Crashing Footfalls, Living End, only one Ancestral Vision. How dare you? Yeah, some Cyclers, a Brazen Borrower, Spell Pierce, Remand. Like, this is the this is more of, like, the deck that you and I were thinking of, I think, when we thought about Asphertold decks, because you have Asphertold, yeah. but you also get to play the interaction of things like Remand and Spell Pierce. Yep, this is, I've done this a bunch, uh, and it feels good-ish, but definitely not great. And there's a lot of ways to do it, and I own... So many foil crashing footfalls. So I'm just begging you, Silent Song, don't stop working on this. You figure out how to make you're, it work. You're almost there. You're almost just there. Keep, keep going. going. Keep plugging ahead and make those crashing footfalls come home for daddy. If you can start a Twitter and a YouTube and stream your deck and uh, maybe make some uh, sock accounts too that could also yep. spread the good oh, word. Love it. love it. Just That's just classic social media. Social media <laughs> in, the, in the 2020s, that's how you do it. Van Crow. Twin is back, everyone. Deceiver XR, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. One copy of Valakid Awakening, so Brian is automatically going to co-sign this deck. Yeah, perfect deck. River Glide Pathway. That's cool. All right, sweet. Captain Grumble Cakes. Spirits. Uh, this one has Collected Company and also two copies of Curious Obsession, which I don't really like Curious Obsession in this deck to begin with. I certainly don't like it in your collected company deck and this deck used to play eighth or vile to go with the companies 
I definitely like vile and spirits. Uh, so I don't know if, if you have to cut vile for your curious obsession, I don't like it. Agreed. Hyperdontia. Oh no. You We're talk up to about, something here. You talk about this one. Well, this is just the classic modern invasion of the Giants deck that we've seen so many times and has really come to define this format. Typical accelerate into a Inferno Titan plan. You also get your Thrix the Sudden Storm to be able to protect all of this stuff and even a glass pool mimic to go ahead and copy that Inferno Titan and Stubborn Denial, obviously the Disruption Suite. You know, we've all seen this a thousand times. I, I really don't have to repeat any of this. I, there's two through the breaches as the backup plan. Is like, is through the breach Inferno Titan actually good? Uh, if your opponent has a lot of small creatures, it's excellent. Yes. This has to be a budget deck, I would think, because there's like four reflecting pool, no steam vents, no scalding tarn. Uh, there's there's like expensive cards. Well, I don't. Okay, I don't actually know what Magic Online cards cost, so I can't say that. I feel like Archmage's Charm should be expensive? Question mark. It's probably like two tickets. I know Snapcaster. Okay. Snapcaster's like five or seven or something. Okay. Glad I sold my my Moto account, so that all that all checks out. Brazen Borrower. That's expensive, right? Oh yeah, that that one was like twenty five or something. Okay. Okay. So I knew there was something there. I I think this person just loves these cards. Honestly, they believe in the heart of the cards and they want their invasion of the giants to do work. And uh, I don't know. An early Inferno Titan seems okay to me little stubborn denial backup. Yeah, I saw people messing around with Invasion, uh, trying to cast Primeval Titan. You know, like that was in, I don't know if it was actually Amulet, but it was like Amulet adjacent at the very least, so. Yeah, this deck is almost like trying to do the Goldspan Dragon thing, where you have this threat and there's really no window where your shield's down and you're just able to protect it. And that works great in Standard, but it feels a little slow for Modern. Carlos Almeida... Gruel, Utopia Sprawl, Arbor Elf, Blood Moon, Bloodbraid Elf, etc. If if Blood Moon's good, this deck is probably great. And I've felt that way about this deck for a while. Whoa, so. whoa I wouldn't go that far. No, I, I like this deck. I, <laughs> I think it's the best version of doing this type of thing. I It's just rare that this type of thing is the right thing to do. But if you really do believe Blood Moon is very good right now, I, I think you could do much worse than playing this deck. Gargamel. Uh, 60 cards, no Urian, but this is a collected company, ephemerate deck. Uh, I don't know, Coiling Oracle, Ice Fang, Quaddle, Skyclave, Eternal Witness. Sure. Good tier 2.5 deck. A lot of fun. Next up, my boy Hyper, Kelvin Chu. The man, the myth, the legend. Never disappoints me. Never. Bant, Noble Hierarch. Stoneforge Mystic, some Spell Quellers, some Skyclave Apparitions, some Tireless Trekkers, three copies of Omnath Locus of Creation. I love it. Hyper broke it. Powerful magic cards all around. Uh, mana base looks good for doing exactly what we're doing here. So if you can get away with just playing fair, I think these are the most powerful fair cards the entire format has access to. And you got some nice disruption in terms of mana leak, your spell quellers, you're able to do a lot with a very tiny package here. So if you just like playing really stupid, powerful magic cards, maybe this is the deck for you. Okay, so this deck has four path, two on thin ice, no ice fang coaddles, but also I think given the discussion that we've had about like Heliod type of stuff, it makes a lot more sense to play path than on thin ice. 
Sure. The instant speed is a, a big difference maker against that deck. Yeah, the, the four just on thin ice were all in on that plan was a little shocking to me. I, I can see spots where you certainly want both like this setup, but not being able to act to instant speed right now is pretty scary. Yo, another Gargamel 5 0. out here killing it. Yeah, different deck, obviously. This is Abzan, mid range stuff, Birds of Paradise, Stoneforge Mystic, Tarmogoyf, Liliana the Veil, four Lingering Souls, three equipment, uh, some Kaya's Guiles. I don't know, no, no, like Siege Rhino or anything truly heinous. Like this, this looks okay to me. It's okay, right? That's how we say it when we think a deck is okay. Yeah, what was the actual spirits thing? Was it just okay, or was it a different word? I think it was okay. It's, or like it's, that was, it's that was hours right. ago. I can't. It's remember all right. So yeah. long ago. Shrug, Gaius, nineteen land, thirty-seven humans. Well, maybe not. Three Phantasmal Images, I guess. Four Aether Isles. Realm Walker making the cut. Yeah, Realm, Realm Walker's okay. It's definitely not great. It's not super busted. You're not generating a bunch of mana. It's it's like on par with Militia Bugler and might even be worse. In this deck, at least. There's a lot of haters of Militia Bugler out there. And if you tell them you're playing a card that's worse than that, I can see Revolt happening immediately. So Realm Walker can hit like Mantis Rider and General Kudro of Dranith. It can't get Phantasmal Image though. So I don't know. I, I think it's mostly worse, but whatever. Cheng Y-I-W. Uh, Zori's Control. Hmm. This deck looks the same as it always has. There's a yes. Shark Typhoon now. I like Shark Typhoon. I think it's good in these control decks. Coco Co 098. This is Heliod, a little bit more traditional. No Archangel of Thune, Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl, a couple of Eladomri's calls. Yeah, a few ways to build this deck. I, I think they're all interesting. They're all going to have their moments. But again, this is a big part of the format now. This, this could be straight up MJ's list, actually. Okay. I don't remember, you know, 100% what his list was exactly. Uh, MJ really loved the Pendlehaven because you can Ballista for one, Pendlehaven it, and then still go off. So it, like, saves you a mana from having to play right, right, right. Ballista for, for two. Uh, and I agree with that 100%. Uh, I like the yeah, Pendlehaven. Yeah, that's cool, Gat. Bosch and Roll. Oh, this is this is an old screen name you can tell because it has spaces. Magic mm. Online doesn't do spaces anymore. Three Bitter Blossom, three Fallen Shinobi, and a bunch of blue-black cards. Tried to do a lot of this uh, when we were exposed to these Shinobis for the first time and uh, wanted it to be good, and it's fine. Wait, it's okay. It's okay. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. It's okay. Sell on me. Okay, here we go. Thassa's Oracle, Phyrexian Unlife, Ad Nauseum, Angel's Grace, Spoils of the Vault, uh, Lotus Bloom, Pentad Prism, Seer Visions, Thoughtseize. So this deck just does, just clean and gave up on the Lightning Storm kill, and otherwise just like a, yeah, just four Thassa's Oracle. That's it. Seems fine. It's so weird because one of the advantages that the uh, Ad Nauseum deck always had was its ability to play at instant speed, and you've you've given up so much of that these days. But the format is so different than it was back when I was playing ad nauseum. So maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe it's just like 
get your pact mitigation protection and you're fine. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I do like the addition of Teferi somewhere in this deck. Like I, I think you can stretch the mana and, and make it worthwhile, at, le- at least in the sideboard. I, I think you want to have access to Teferi because otherwise you're asking yourself to squeeze through a very precise window. And I think you get some games on easy mode where you're looking at at least a couple of Teferis. Probably true. WTNOF, I like this deck, which probably means it's bad. This is, is it control with two Blood Moons and leaning pretty heavily into that in the mana base? There are nine basic islands Mm -hmm. and there's like a Magmatic Sinkhole to Behold the Multiverse, some Snapcaster Mages, some Shark Typhoons. This deck looks tight and is probably very difficult to win games with. Just cast those Archmage's Charms before you play the Blood Moons. Well, if you play Blood Moon and you still have like four islands, it's fine, you know? Right. Sure. That's always going to be the case. There's nine islands and eight fetch lands, Brian. There are six six lands that don't cast it after Blood Moon. Come on, man. I I guess there's only two Blood Moons, right? So the times we're going turn three Blood Moon are are not that high. So there is a possibility that it all works out fine and we don't have to worry about any of this. And I'm just being a naysayer for no reason, but... uh, I know I would experience the I can't cast my Archmage Charms or Cryptic Commands as I sit under my own Blood Moon. Dude, Blood Moon Cryptic Commands, you know, it's bad, right? But it has been a staple of Modern for a very long time. And those decks are very easily still able to cast their Cryptic Commands post-Blood Moon. They're probably not able to do like a bunch of like ops and other stuff in the same turn, but you can definitely cast Cryptic or Archmage's Charm post-Blood Moon. The game should go long enough that you find a window for it. There just may be a moment of awkwardness that Maybe. I will forever hold against this deck. Uh, deck's tight. Probably can't win. TWOP, Elves, uh, Collective Company, Lands, 38 Elves, uh, Shaman of the Pack, Combo Kill, three Rum Walkers. I actually like Rum Walker quite a bit in this deck because you have Heritage Druid, so mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. makes everything kind of trivial. Three Nurturing Peatland. I was looking for, for those basically because... Deck has a low land count already, and then when you're going off with Realm Walker, you definitely want ways to get past like the top card of your deck in case you hit a bunch of lands or whatever. So yep. these lands are pretty important. I don't know if you can afford to play more than three, but definitely play some. This deck seems fine. I I really don't have any beef with this. If you can just reliably get the time to do your setup. And this is the deck that like we talked about goblins, how it didn't really effectively make a battlefield. I, I think this deck does. I think this deck can beat you down in a lot of scenarios and uh, plays a few game plans really well. It has access to the type of disruption you'd like to see this deck have with Abrupt Decay, Thoughtseize, all that stuff sitting in the sideboard, uh, Collector Roof, Scavenging Ooze. So th- there's good plays against a lot of the decks in the format. It feels like this is a moment where Elves in Modern is closer than it's ever been to its legacy counterparts, which yes. I think is a good place for that deck to be. Yep, agreed. Ivan 229, Grixis Control, two Jace Vrin's Prodigy, two Valky God of Lies. The first thing I do when I see Valky is look for release to the wind, or is this Grixis deck splashing bring to light? But nah, nah, man. Uh, It's just in there as a finisher that allows you to still have Luris as your companion. Uh, Yeah, I kind of thought we'd see more of this. I I think Valky on its face is a fine magic card, and some of that has been lost in how ridiculously broken it was when the rules worked in a strange way. That was a fun week. If you say so. 
I am not in love with this deck. It's got the same flaws as many of these decks, but I, I do like Valky. And in general, I don't have any complaints about how this is built. It, it's fine. There's just a certain subset of players where you see a deck like this and it's four Cryptic Command, three Archmage's Charm, three Kologon's Command, and you know that those people are going to love it. Yeah, I think so. I think it does a very specific thing that scratches an itch for a lot of people. And as I continue to play absolutely backwards decks and standards, I'm not, I'm not going to judge people for doing this in modern. They certainly can can do their thing. Yep. Andaneko butchered it. Rakdos, uh, Skelemental, Magmatic Channeler, Season Pyromancer, two Rixmati Reveler, two Croxa, four Liliana, seven Discard, seven Spot Removal, four Unearth. I, I can't talk about Lightning Skelemental anymore. I just can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I do this every time we do a modern deck dump. If you've listened for a while, you know my thoughts on Lightning Skelemental. If you haven't, you can go listen to an old deck dump. You can. You can. They're not going to change anything because there's always going to be a Skelemental deck in all of these dumps. So. You can make an assumption as to what Brian's opinion is. I'm willing to wager. I think so. Cami 2070, Boros Burn. Next. Deck's good. Next. Musasabi. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So this is technically Mardu, but this is like Mardu, like the standard Mardu deck that Brian sent me, where he's like, look, dude, it's Mardu. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, and you love, you love that deck, right? It wasn't. And this isn't. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic Season Pyromancer. Okay, cool. Uh, Magmatic Channeler. Croxa. Eh, less good. Two Liliana. Sure. Akaya. Angrath's Rampage. Kaya's Guile. There's like a Yikes. Path to Exile. I don't know. I don't really like a, a lot of these cards. Like So like that Grixis deck above, that's not really how I would build Grixis, but I get it. I, I understand people who want to do stuff like that. This is basically more of the same. I understand the draw to Season Pyromancer Stoneforge Mystic. It is sweet. This is just not how I build this deck. Agreed. Savai Triome, though, fixes all the problems. I don't believe you. Costola, Costo LA. That's how I was going to read it at first, but now I was like, oh, it's probably Costola. Costola 91. Uh, this deck is kind of weird. Boreal Druid, Ancient Stirrings. Selesnia Eldrazi with also some gemstone caverns, respect. Prismatic Vista to fetch wait, the waste. Yeah, we're not we're not Selesnia. There's no there's no white, right? I read Eldrazi Mimic as Oh obligate or not obligator. The the blinky, the blinky one. Yeah, yeah. Displacer. No, no. This this is mono green. Yep, never mind. Mono green Eldrazi. That's even weirder. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm processing. I'm I'm getting my thoughts together. Sure, uh, if you can do any type of Eldrazi, you can certainly do this. There's there's no reason why this isn't a real thing. If you don't think Chalice is good, but you think the Eldrazi bodies are good, I guess is how you could end up here. And like you said, I think Gemstone Caverns is cool in these type of decks. Prismatic Vista to get wastes. Why are we doing that? Are we are we decked any? I guess I guess we have our noble hierarchs too. So okay. Yeah, That's it's fine. it's yeah, yeah. it's a colorless and green source, right? And it plays around Blood Moon. Like this deck doesn't get Blood Moon ever, really. Yep. Yep. And you could do stuff like Haship Oasis, but that's that's gonna cost you every time you you tap for a green and probably not do 
anything else. So like, I don't know, I kind of get it if you're, if you're sticking to two colors, a lot of the problems before were like, you know, you had to play pain lands or whatever because you were three colors and that's not really the case right. here. So. Yeah. I, I don't hate this. If you think the Eldrazi are good creatures right now, I think you could do worse than playing this deck. Links with three S's, 20 land, four Aether Vial, 36 slivers. There was a point when you could like demonic consultation for force of will in slivers. I knew what all the slivers did. This time I don't know what all the slivers do. Uh, I know that there's Unsettled Mariner and Realmwalker, so that's cool. But yeah, I look at this and I just see sliver and, you know, sliver 20 times. And I couldn't tell you what sort of sliver deck this is. Yeah, I, I guess it's just like kind of humans where you get a really good mana base for free. Like you just get to jam all these silly sliver lands in and you even get Mute Vault. So that's cool. But then you're playing slivers and I don't I don't think that's what you want to do. I mean, maybe it is. If I knew what these slivers did, I could tell you authoritatively if that was what you wanted to do. Uh, I, I see a frenetic sliver in the mix and it's been a minute since I've seen that card floating around and we've got Gale Rider sliver and leeching sliver and there's there's just a lot of slivers here and I don't want to play these. So the upside to slivers is that your creatures tend to have evasion, right? Like you have like some flying slivers, you have a flying and haste sliver. And the downside is that you basically don't get any sideboard cards that are not, you know, like slivers or colorless. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, humans, you can get like Skyclave apparition or whatever. And this deck can't really do that. And they, they don't have ways to interact. So it's just you goldfish and that's it. Yeah, you, you can get to check, though, whether your opponents know what flanking does, which is nice when you play your Sidewinder Sliver. So see how knowledgeable your opponents are. Play your Sidewinder Sliver. It says it right on the card. Well, okay, that's cheating. If you're going to just reach across the table and grab my cards, then so be it. But uh, Ya boy, another blue-red Blood Moon deck. This one with Thing in the Ice, Goldspan Dragon, Bone Crusher Giant. I don't think Thing in the Ice and Goldspan Dragon really go in the same deck. No, I don't believe so. Yeah, not not playing this deck. Thank you. Next, Teamer Teamer Battle Rage, Goldspan Dragon. No, nah, I'm good. The Scrubbin Scrubs, uh, more Skelementals, right? There's yep, four of them. Oh yeah, just this is just Skelemental Tribe. Okay. This is, this is slightly different. This is Elementals with only three Aether Vials, but it has Birds of Paradise and some Lightning Bolts. Okay. Is that supposed to make me feel better about my Skelementals now? Uh, no, I guess they're just like, you know, we need to interact a little bit. So, Like R- Risen Reef Skelemental deck? That's what we're doing here? Yeah, dude. That's what Elementals has always been doing. Thunderkin Awakener solves all problems. Oh, man. Don't let me bring, bring down your party. Do what you want to do in Modern. I mean, flame, that's the great thing about modern is every Arbiter. time we do this, flame can yeah, I do like that card. Uh, every time we do this, like these are people who are winning. That's great. I, I love that you can play stuff like this in modern that I think is just heinous and would never register and do well with it. Like that's that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with a format that gives you a chance to play something that is slightly below the curve in power level, and you should relish those successes be proud of them i'm not trying to bring down what you've achieved with this deck i i just try and approach this from the range of okay do i want to play this deck do i want to know more about this deck i don't want to play or know more about this deck 
Okay, I guess technically I was the one who searched Gatherer and found Flamekin Harbinger for the Niv Megas deck, wasn't I? That is true. I don't think my original build had it. Yep. M. Hayashi, a trophy leader for a large portion of the time, and their deck is interesting. 12 Mountain, 4 Forgotten Cave, 4 Shatter Skull Smashing. This is just like a mono-red mid-range deck with a bunch of Blood Moons. Uh, weird stuff like Heartfire Immolator. So another yeah. prowess creature that's also a removal spell. Pyrite Spell Bomb now in the mix, likely because of Oriok Champion. Like that's obviously a huge issue. This is very clearly a thoughtful deck. Like this is somebody who has played the archetype a bunch, has lots of opinions on what you need to do, how you need to build it, knows the sideboard cards they want. There's like four Braid, four Ratchet Bomb, three Dragon Claw, four Relic. Let's go. Next. Uh, numbers are obviously all super streamlined, all four ofs. And like you said, trophy leader for a while. So I I would take note. I don't know that I would copy, but there's there's some cool innovating going on here, like Pyrite Spellbomb being a, something these decks should look into in the future. Seems really good. It, it's odd to me that it's just hard four of in the main, but... Well, a lot, know, of the, a lot of those decks have Oriol Champion in the main. They do. Are you just like, are you conceding? You're just like, I can't beat this card ever? That's that's the end? Uh, I mean, a lot of the time, that's what it comes down to. It's not like the Oriol Champion necessarily beats you straight up, but a lot of the time, it just gives them the time it needs to assemble their combo, so... yeah. Yeah, maybe things are that dire where you just need to have outs to it. And, you know, also, if you're playing a lot on ladder, you're going to be aware of these trends. And if it's a moment where the thing everyone is talking about and the thing everyone wants to do is that green-white deck, sure, do do this. Put your put your answers in the main deck. Trelovsky. Uh, instead of life gain, they are devoted druid viziering with uh, a lot of post-mortem lunges. I... Want to like Feels this deck outdated. in theory. I want to like this deck in theory. Every time I tried it, it was just so bad for me. I don't understand. Yeah, feel, feels outdated. Ella Domri's call takes forever. All of this takes forever. It's just, it's so much slower than you think it's going to be. Uh, I, I think you get a better better deck out of the green-white counters deck. A Komir, another ardent plea as foretold deck. Rather than messing around with Force of Negation and Cryptic Command, they have two copies of Failure to Comply and two copies of Generous Gift. And I guess more creatures too. Imposing Vantasaur. I had to actually look at what that was. It's a 3-6 Vig. Yeah. And we got the, uh, the Fairy Macabras in the mix as well. as another way to get some some trash into the yard. Uh, uh, you know what? I what? bet I bet that this is maybe a budget deck. Like this deck looks really cheap to me. Because there's like Anakar yeah. Way, Seek, Rome Coast in, yeah, in yeah. the mana base. Okay. Cool. I love I, I love seeing budget decks five out. I think it's important that everyone should have access to playing these games. And if, if that is the case, this is a cool way to go. Yeah, that's awesome. The dogfish playing some fish of their own. Uh, Simic, which is kind of the way I think for Merfolk now. Kamina speaker got some glass pool mimics. Uh, other than that, I don't know some lords, some dismembers, some force negations. Let's go. Still Merfolk. Still. Pretty medium, but do your thing. Finally, Obstinate Bailoth, 19 land, 4 Aether Vial, 4 Collected Company, 33 Slivers. These are like different Slivers too. I'm not even going to bother reading them. They they are different. And all I will say is that I, I like the idea of having the Aether Vial Collected Company set up when you're just like, here's my dum-dums. I hope they're good enough. I like that you get a little card advantage, you get a little flexibility, a little timing. And I I think 
you can take advantage of that. Like there's stuff like Necrotic Sliver, which benefits from Ether Vial putting into play cheaply and anything else. Sedge Sliver can potentially blow out in some spots. Uh, yeah. Okay. The Telekinetic Sliver. God, this is so weird. Why is this happening? Why are slivers happening right now? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't either. Game. Good luck.